Welcome to a very cool in concept, but pretty confused and muddy episode of Save Station Radio. I am your host, Dustin, and with me, my co-host, Connor. Hello there. And today we are taking on Kojima's Death Stranding. Of course, developed by the one and only Kojima Productions. Who would have figured that one out? Uh, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. Uh, and it was released for the PS4 November 8th. 2019 and on pc july 14th 2020 this is a game with a metacritic store score of 82 on ps4 and 86 on pc heard really great things about the pc version of this actually uh we both played the ps4 version yeah we both played the same ps4 version but yeah i would like i would be interested in trying it on pc someday yeah definitely uh and then i'm going to turn it over to connor to give us a little bit of the backstory and history of kojima productions so obviously we're not going over the entire history of Kojima Productions dating all the way back to, you know, original Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid. That's going to take way too long and is not important right now. We'll cover that when we get to death, when we get to Metal Gear way in the future. But for Death Stranding, I think what's most important is that this game is especially tied to Kojima's breakup with Konami, where Konami being kind of extremely shitty the way they are not only fired him but like sabotaged all of his projects for mgs5 and the development of the fox engine which was used for mgs5 mgs5 ground zeros the first part came out in 2014 and then pt the teaser for silent hills maybe (laughs) came out later that same year with the phantom pain be coming out in 2015 and then he was fired either late 2015 or early 2016. So things were really shaky. A lot of drama happening there. Not going to delve super into it, but he was fired from Konami and then formed an independent Kojima Productions that was very closely partnered with his buddies at Sony and began work on developing Death Stranding as a PS4 exclusive, at least for a little bit. An amazingly fast turnaround time, I will say, for a game this scope and size, that's incredibly impressive. Like, what? That's two, three years? Jesus. Yeah, about two and a half, three years. That's that's wild. Really and to be fair, this really was also something that was probably in his brain for a while. Um, it also had a lot of the same crew members that were with him for MGS5, but also a lot of his team members that were sort of outside of the company that helped with PT, namely Norman Reedus and Guillermo del Toro. He also recruited like Mads Mikkelsen and stuff to do acting. And then um, Nicholas Winding Refn to help with the story a little bit and also to play a character in the game. So he had a lot of that, I think kicking around probably since 2014, even still five years seems like a kind of a quick turnaround for this game. um, Even if he wasn't working on it. So it's also notable because they started on a new engine. They're using the, um, oh, what's the name of it? Uh, it's the same engine that Grilly uses. It's their in-house like thing. It powered Horizon Zero Dawn, which this game looks very similar to, which makes sense. Um, and I'm pretty sure those are the only two games it's been used for. Of course, the upcoming Horizon Forbidden West will use it as well. So they're on new technology, and they pumped out a AAA open-world video game in three years. That's, that is impressive. Like, it just really, even if he had the concepts and ideas, those aren't the bits that take a long time of game development, so I, that's that kind of blows my mind a little bit. 
yeah, we've covered games that have gone through engine swaps, namely like Eternal Darkness that had to swap consoles, and it's not an easy transition. So being forced to swap engines or even just start on a new engine you're unfamiliar with, pretty pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, I will say they picked a good one. It's a, for the most part, pretty game, um, just like Horizon Zero Dawn was. It does landscapes very well. So let's just, let's, let's dive into what this game is it's i would describe it as an open world action game but it's not centered around typical action tropes it's more this game is more about delivering stuff which you probably know if you know anything about this game you're basically a post-apocalyptic mailman and i think a lot of the design here comes from around challenging the player to deliver packages without damaging them a lot of the terrain is pretty rough a lot of the obstacles you will face are just around basically making sure your packages don't get damaged, which is a pretty interesting concept for a game like this. Yeah, I I mean, I have this in my notes when I got to the initial difficulty selector that it's like, oh, you could play this game and if you've good if you're good at action games, I'm like, this isn't really an action game. It's a hiking simulator. Yeah. <laughs> this I is mean, like I probably think... the most accurate hiking simulator I've ever played. <laughs> Yeah, or I mean, you could call it a walking simulator if you wanted, and I don't think you'd be wrong, right? <laughs> like, it is truly that. It's more walking simulator than walking simulators are, so... Yeah, um, and it does have some action segments, which I'll dive into when we actually get to the review segment of this. But yeah, for the most part, it's more about traversal and, and figuring out the landscape and how it works. It's also got a pretty wild and... A lot of time incomprehensible sci-fi story wrapped around it, um, which again, we will dive into heavily in a few moments. Um, am I missing anything about what the core of this game is? Um, not, yeah, not really. I think it's primarily just delivering packages as safely and as efficiently as possible and having to deal with all the obstacles in between, whether that be enemies to get in your way, that you have to fight, ghosts, or just plain old terrain weather uh just regular old hiking issues your shoes breaking that kind of stuff so it's just about efficiency and safety yep uh so let's talk about briefly our histories since this is you know a new ip and it's fairly recent they're not that large i will say i'll go back with mine and say this is the second kojima project i've ever played I guess technically third. I played both MGS5 and then the prequel game, Ground Zeroes. And I guess I also played uh, Metal Gear Rising, but I don't think he was involved too much in that. I think he was just a producer. So, yeah, I'm not super familiar with him and his works. It's one of those gaming holes I have in my knowledge that I just need to fix, and someday we'll fix it with this podcast, I'm sure. So, yeah, going into this, I, I knew to expect this to be kind of wild. I kind of had that... He's kind of got that reputation. I've... I was expecting that, especially from some of the stuff I knew about Metal Gear 5. I will say, having played that game, I didn't expect too much from the story here. Even though people say he's a genius in the story department, uh, Metal Gear 5, I would say, has a wacky story, but not a good one. <laughs> and I kind of feel the same way here, but again, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, you played this game when it released last year. Do you have anything anything more to say about it uh, in terms of your history with it? Yeah, I mean, I was one that had been curious about Kojima games a lot kind of growing up i had friends who played mgs4 when it came out and um even some mgs3 but i have only played the first two so far metal gear solid and mgs2 and 
I own the rest of them, but have not gotten around to them. But I mean, seeing like what MGS five was capable of, and then even what PT was doing, which is not at all similar to anything else he's done. I was definitely interested. So when those first teaser trailers came out, um, it was shown at the game awards and like a Sony press conference. Then it got me really interested because nobody really knew what it was. <laughs> yeah. And I will say I'm in agreement with you. I also watched those trailers and was riveted. Yeah. Cause like it shows nothing about the game. It wasn't until much later that they're like, yeah, you're delivering packages. I'm like, okay, actually I could be into that. So I did pre-order it. I picked it up at launch and I played it entirely. I think before the end of the year, cause it came out in like, uh, we just said it early November. So yeah, I did. I played it pretty quickly, but it's, it was interesting for me. Cause when I got to the end of the game, the first time I honestly didn't know how to feel about it. And there's many reasons for that. But nowadays I am probably much kinder to it than a lot of people are. <laughs> Uh, to get into the more critical side of this, I guess I'll start and say, when talking about the gameplay and the story, when I dove into this game for the first time a couple weeks ago, my expectations were I was not going to enjoy the gameplay, but I was going to like the story. Um, and just to start this off simplistically, they have flipped. I prefer. I think the gameplay in this game is fascinating and for the most part really cool, though I have some major. It has some major flaws. The story stuff is the stuff that I found like, yeah, it's kind of fun, but it's incomprehensible in a way that is annoying <laughs> to me. Like, there's some great character stuff, but honestly, in terms of a plot, it's just so muddled and so mixed. And I just, I don't know, I got to the end of this and I was not satisfied with it at all. And I was actually a little more frustrated uh, than I feel like it wanted to leave me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. The first time I played this... Um, this is only my second time playing it, but the first time I played it, I definitely got to the end of the story and was like, that was pretty bad. <laughs> like, there's moments that I enjoy, but overall, I think the plot is kind of a mess. Playing it again for a second time, I definitely realized that the reason it's such a mess is because they try to jam, like, an entire encyclopedia of world building into the plot and try to have it flow organically and it does not yeah no it definitely has the vibe of kojima didn't really come up with a cool story he came up with a bunch of really cool concepts and then had to fit a narrative around those yeah i feel like that's slightly reductive i feel like there's definitely a plot going into this but the way that it's trying to convince or trying to convey its world building and backstory for the world that you travel in it is not something that you can just kind of put into conversations with other characters and kind of slip in there and be like okay here's some hints and nods and that all that i feel like it tries to do that but then ends up just expositing way more than it should and it bogs down the pace that is my biggest problem with the way the story is presented is it's it's essentially like you'll make a delivery to somebody and then that somebody will just talk at you and will just bladder on about these like complex sci-fi ideas. And it's just the most uninteresting way to present those ideas. And I think that that is one of this game's biggest problems when presenting itself. It's just, 
it has some really cool ideas, but the way they're presented makes them seem really boring. Where there's just these NPCs who are just talking to you about these cool concepts, but like, they're just talking at you, and I don't think they got Norman Reedus for long enough for him to actually be able to react and act on those characters, so it's just a character just doing basically a lore dump at the player, and it, it kind of stinks, in my opinion. And I think it's part of the reason why this story and this world, while I think they're cool, they kind of fall flat for me. It's just because, like, it's just the way it's presented, honestly, is half the problem. is like, it doesn't work in the way they're trying to make it work. Yeah, they definitely try to play up the fact that Sam, the main character that you play as, played by Norman Reedus, is both a experienced porter, someone who's lived in this world for pretty much his whole life and is really good at delivering things and probably knows the ins and outs of this universe, but also have the NPCs explain stuff to him, which in context, in universe, he already knows all this stuff. So they kind of write around it, but it comes off as really inorganic. If you listen to our Doom Eternal episode, I know we got really deep into the lore of that game, which was kind of partially necessary to understand the plot of that game, but it was mostly told through like backup supplementary files this i feel like has some of that but tries to cram a lot of it into the main plot and i feel like if the setup was told optionally or just kind of as a text dump (laughs) somehow then it would kind of get it over with and you could just move on with the story i'm no storyteller i don't know how you would resolve this but it definitely is clunky to say the least. I think the story completely fails at one of the fundamentals of just like a good storyteller is like a a good story will show you and not tell you about stuff like this. This game tells you about stuff like this constantly and rarely shows it to you. And I think that that is the main issue here is it's just boring. Like it just is. And it shouldn't be boring. These concepts are so cool, but they're not presented well at all. And it's just a fundamental failure, honestly. There are plenty of complex worlds and stuff like that. Plenty of like awesome sci-fi fantasy stuff that do this better. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm reading the Stormlight Archive books right now, and those are like thousand-page fantasy novels. But they're never boring because they're presenting these concepts to you through characters' lives as they're living them. Right? They're not. Nobody's stopping. And go. Here's the world. Here's how it works. Here's every little second of it. Here's you know this, this, and this. It's no. We're living with a character, and they're dealing with the world. And we just see it through their eyes and the author trusts us to be able to understand how this world works, right? And that's the problem is I don't think this game trusts us. I think it wants to hold our hands through its world and that is a bummer. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's that's the biggest problem with the plot, at least. The characters, when they're not expositing, I feel like are pretty fun. They're kind of what the plot is mainly about is learning more about those people. And than the end end of the game stuff that gets really bonkers and out there but that's for later um i feel like it's when i got to the end it was definitely something i did not really care about um the gameplay though that's what kept me going i'll say that yeah and i agree with you which is shocking though i will say i think this is a game where we talk about the gameplay about how it is about traversing and i think those bits are awesome looking at a hill and thinking, how am I going to get over this? You know, and how am I going to go over the easiest traverse terrain? I'm looking for that. I'm exploring. It kind of 
it kind of gets that part of my brain that's like looking for collectibles and stuff, but it's doing that as just as a basic world traversal thing. It's silly, but I love holding down the triggers to balance. I think that's that's a cool idea, particularly when you have a lot of packages. I think the power curve in this game feels amazing. Um, I love, you know, things are a struggle at first, but once you get later on to the game, you start getting vehicles and you start building roads and like the world gets easier to traverse. I think that's awesome. It's a great feeling. And it does tap into what Kojima talked about pre-launch for this game about the idea of this being a, a strand game, he called it, which is a little piffy, I guess I would say. Like, this is not the first game to incorporate ideas like this. Like, Journey came out years before this, right? But, like, the idea that, like, you see other players' structures and buildings and they are actually helping you along and you can like them, I love that. Like, it's so cool and it's such a neat concept for a video game and it works so well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think the the online component of this game is, if not necessary, then a key part of the full experience because that satisfaction of either knowing that a structure you built is going to help someone else or leaving something someplace that you you find helpful but also is going to be helpful to other people or even just getting to a place where you would want something and some someone has already built it there for you and you're like oh great i don't have to either waste my supplies or i could just help them by upgrading their structure or just use it and keep moving on or you know the other online players have your back by rescuing your lost cargo if you manage to drop it somewhere or you can pick up their lost cargo and help them out or you can trade items kind of if you lose them and pick them up that way all of that is just really fun to experience as you go through the game yeah it's awesome and i think it does a smart thing it does it kind of taps into like what assassin's creed and breath of the wild did right where like you will you're, the entire concept of this game is you're putting regions on this Cairo network and after a region gets put onto a Cairo network, that's when all the online stuff comes through, and that's when you see other players' creations. And the smart thing about it is that when you're doing that, you're not going to have any of that online stuff. So that's where the challenge is, right? You get, you've got to get there first and get up the rating with this, um, with the people you're trading with or uh, currying for. So it's it's a really cool thing because then you're entering unknown territory. It's challenging. It's hostile. But then afterwards, it starts to get a little bit more inviting when you see other player structures and other players, you know, creations. And that helps you to get around faster and make these deliveries smoother and better. And I, and I think it's really smart. And again, it, it taps into like that Assassin's Creed uh, or Breath of the Wild thing where you un enter an unknown territory until you get to the tower and then you reveal the map. And then suddenly it's it's a lot more friendlier, right? And I think that's a really cool thing. And that this game does that quite well. Yeah, um, we didn't get deep into like the what the gameplay consists of. It's mainly just, I mean, simply it's traversal. But then using those structures, and especially something I love about the gameplay, is the act of planning ahead. I find that really satisfying to either you get a delivery, it shows you where on the map you have to deliver to, and then you can look at the terrain on your way to that place you can also sometimes see what enemies are going to be in the way and being able to plan what you're going to take with you in order to deal with those problems as you come across it i think is really satisfying because there's no real way to get more items and the fact that every single 
item you carry has a weight to it and has to have a place on your backpack or your suit the same sort of places that your deliveries take up so it's not something like metal gear where you have all your weapons just kind of there or all your ammo is just kind of there you have to make space for it and then make sure you can carry it all without carrying too much and then moving slowly or falling over and I find that set up to make sure that you know where you're going as well as what you're going to face as you get there makes the makes those moments where you get an online player to help you out with the structure and then you don't have to spend your materials or maybe you didn't plan for something but someone else has you covered you could pick it up along the way and use it all of that I find immensely satisfying to do yeah I agree um, I do want to talk about combat in this game because it asks you to do it quite a fair bit, especially in the path of the main story. And I think it is straight up bad. And I I think it is the most negative thing I have to say about the gameplay is that, like, I don't understand why. Because it's got all the ingredients. It's almost there. But anytime this game becomes a third-person shooter or melee game, it sucks. It feels mushy. It doesn't feel good. Like, aiming your gun just feels laggy and bad i think punching people doesn't have any impact at all it just it just doesn't feel good and i get that the point in the open world traversal stuff is to like it's not more about combat it's more about trying not to get your packages damaged but through the course of the main story you will have to do combat just straight up there's a bunch of sections that are just combat arenas and those sections are a big failure to me and i think part of the reason why I think the main story path of this game isn't super engaging is that like, it's just not fun to fight. Yeah. And definitely I feel like that's not, that wouldn't be a negative if it wasn't something you had to do. You know, if it was like combat isn't very good, so you're encouraged to not get into combat with people, you know, either sneaking around, which is a viable option or just, making sure you avoid them or just bust on through as fast as you can, as I tended to do sometimes. All of that in the open world is great. When you get to those combat sections, it does fall a little on its face, like because there are certain sections where you have to fight groups of enemies. Just that's how the story progresses. You have to fight groups of enemies. And then there are certain times where you have to fight bosses. And I feel like the boss fights do a little bit better job, but all of the combat is meant to be a way to put more pressure on keeping your cargo safe. But during a boss fight or the combat encounters, you don't have any cargo. So it's like, what's the point in a way? It's not building off of the core gameplay, really. Yeah, and it's just that thing where, like, I will say, even if there weren't boss fights, even if there were things, it still doesn't preclude this game from being able to have good combat, right? It's... it's it just it's just a failure. I, I will say to get really nitpicky about it too, they did this like slow down, slow-mo effect every time you knock out an enemy in the game, and that's really annoying, especially when you're taking on like groups of twenty dudes. And it's like, this is not helping me, this is actually hindering me. It's just frustrating. I will also say I was really into the fact that for like the first half of this game, like the first twenty hours I played it, I really enjoyed the fact that you basically don't have a lethal option. All of your things are non-lethal and i thought that was really cool and also built into the world because this is a world where if there's a dead body 
and the ghosts get to it, it'll cause a big explosion. So, you know, nobody wants to die. You have to incinerate bodies to prevent that from happening. So I thought that was really cool building into the lore, into the lore of this game. But halfway through, then you just get lethal weapons, which I thought was kind of a bummer. And I know that's like a small thing, but that just, I was like, oh, you kind of just undercut your own themes here. Yeah, they don't need to be there because honestly, I've never used them. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to ask you, you didn't use them either? Because I didn't either. Because I was like, well, in the world, yeah, if you kill, kill somebody. So I don't know if that actually works. Uh, I don't know if it works either. I actually found out recently that if you do end up getting grabbed by one of the ghosts in a very serious manner, like, so there are BTs, which are stands for beached things. They're basically just ghosts, um, which when you're dealing with them, if they spot you or hear you, then they can grab you and pull you into the ground, which will then cause a tar pit to emerge and then a bunch of like tar people will reach up out of the ground and try to drag you down. Awesome. If they looks awesome, like looks super cool. Yeah. Um, kind of easy to avoid later on if you have decent stamina, but if you do manage to get dragged down by them, you get dragged through the tar and then the tar bubble gets a lot bigger and you have to fight, um, basically one of the game's bosses. You either have to fight it or, escape most likely escape but if you do manage to get grabbed by one of them then it does cause a void out crater so a big explosion and then there's a crater left in the terrain that's cool it's really cool never happened to me in my 80 plus hours playing this game <laughs> yep and so th there's my next criticism we're we're walking into it good job with the segues today this game is easy as hell and i think that that also kind of undercuts what it's trying to say and what it's trying to do halfway through this game you kind of realize the bts aren't really a threat like if you hot one by one it's really easy to escape even if you get into that state with the boss fight it's really easy to escape it's not a big deal the weapons are super powerful like i never once died in the game i failed a couple missions because i messed with the packages but i never once died which Actually, that's not true. I stubbornly tried to go down a really sheer cliff like three times and died like three times in a row. But that's... <laughs> that doesn't count. But yeah, that doesn't count. That was me being an idiot. So, yeah, I just... This game was never challenging. Except in the beginning, but it was only challenging because I thought it was challenging, right? I thought that these ghosts were a big threat, so I was trying to be careful and not be caught by them. But later on, once I realized, oh, no, this is really not a problem. You could just literally run through these areas. It's fine. I think that that really undercuts the gameplay and what it's trying to do and is also kind of a bummer. Yeah, well, and it's fine that the enemies don't, like, kill you, per se, or they don't damage you too much. Obviously, if you get really reckless and do manage to take a bunch of damage, you will die. But, or just be knocked unconscious, as usually happens the fact that they don't really damage you all that much is fine since the main risk is them damaging your packages but sometimes that also does not matter or it's so menial that like it just you just don't really have to worry about it like getting caught by a bt is mainly annoying for the most part which is good especially if you're doing 
like as good as an enemy especially if you're doing a timed mission and you're trying to be fast and get there on time which this game incentivizes you do get ranked at the end of each delivery and time is a factor in that so it's mainly it slows you down it has a chance of damaging your package which also gives you a lower rank and all of that but when you're just trying to beat the game or you just don't care super much it's like they don't pose much of a threat for the record i played this for this review i played the game on the hardest difficulty (laughs) i still never died a single time but (laughs) yeah and i played it on normal and this is a game that ranks you on every develop and every delivery and i'd say and maybe this is being generous i'd say about 90 percent of the missions i had s ranks for like and i don't feel like i was being particularly quick or efficient like it's just so easy playing on hard mode definitely i got a couple lower ranks i ended up getting a b rank when i was being really reckless or usually like an a rank if i messed up a couple times otherwise it was just an s rank there is about like part way through the game you get access to the express delivery which can give you a super s rank or a legend among legends rank and these are cool these actually are shown on your little character profile so anyone anyone seeing a structure you built or something you left behind will also get to see your name and then how many legends ranks you've gotten so there's some sort of social incentive to do that and those are actually a lot harder to get than a regular s rank because you have to do it extremely fast or sometimes they'll have added things like between a certain percentage of damage or you can't submerge it or like do it within this amount of time and then don't carry other things like there's added challenges there if you're if you're seeking for it but the core game is not difficult if you're just looking to beat it yeah which i was to be fair i wasn't necessarily seeking out a lot of side content so i didn't even do any of those so to be fair maybe if i was i would have found that challenge i was looking for but through core play, I just, it was pretty simple. And, and I will say, to talk about my last negative, I like the traversal in this game. I think it's good. There are a couple of instances where it asks you to go back and forth one too many times, and it just feels like padding and needless backtracking. One in particular I posted about it on Twitter, and you gave me some shit for it, about it being like an easy mission, which I, my point was like, this is, you know, again, nothing in this game is that hard. It's just... The tedium can set in during moments like that, right? This mission in particular asked me to go all up to the mountains where I hadn't been before, then go all the way back to where I just came from, and then back again, right? And then back again. So it was like, what, four trips back and forth, back and forth across the same landscape. And by the end of it, I was like, I'm just done. Like, this is boring as hell. I don't like this. And then there were a couple of other instances where it'll ask you to walk across the whole map. And I think those are also not super great because, like, I've also been through these areas a billion times already. So now you're just asking me to do the whole thing. And again, it's not that challenging. It just takes a lot of time. And I, I think there are just a couple instances, not that much, not enough to ruin the game, but just a couple instances of, like, tedium and boringness, at least for me. And again, this is mainly an issue if you're just trying to experience the story, which is a problem, you know, if it's got a story and there's an end to the game and there's progression obviously you want to do that so it's kind of chain yanking in that way um in actuality i kind of love that stuff though (laughs) and i know it's mainly because i'm weird and 
like kind of like that stuff like that but the fact that it makes it do it over and over repetitiously back to back i think is the main problem there because what i really like about backtracking in this game specifically is that each trip is going to be pretty different you're either going to encounter different online structures or you can plan better because you know the layout a little bit better or maybe you even just built structures to make the path a breeze and then when you get more uh quests to use that same pathway you feel rewarded because you planned that pathway you made it so much easier the one you were talking about where you had to go i think it was to the doctor who's like yes. pretty close to mountain knot city i found that every time i had to visit him was actually pretty great because me and my online buddies that are randomly assigned to you we had both a efficient zip line system across basically the entire mountain range and uh, a bridge that went over that river <laughs> so going between mountain knot city and the doctor was extremely easy so you could rack up points that way and i found that actually really satisfying to do because i helped build this plan along with others and i helped support this bridge and that's that's the kind of stuff that i like i also like that sort of tedious grind type gameplay um the one that i played a lot of this year was hard space shipbreaker which is very much this sort of here's a bunch of menial tasks to do but you can kind of just zone out and do it and it's I mean, pretty chill honestly my, it's not that i don't like that stuff too like i platinumed both the rpg assassin's creed games right i platinumed ac origins and ac odyssey and spent like over 100 hours in each just clearing the map because i thought it was fun so it's not that i'm not you know into that kind of stuff it's just the repetition doing it there and for and like you're so you said oh you and your online buddies had an efficient system i didn't happen to have that right it's random <laughs> Like, yeah, that's true. on my last trip back, I was able to use a zip line because I thought, okay, I'm just going to fucking build one on my way up here, which again, is cool, but also that still meant I had three trips there and back that were the exact same thing. So like, I, I understand where you're coming from, but that is a random situation. You might, that's not guaranteed. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely see where you're coming from because when it's frustrating, it's pretty frustrating. Um, some of the... I think especially towards the end of the game where they expect you to do longer than normal trips, I feel get really tiring. And there's some some benefit to doing side quests where you can, and by side quests I mean extra deliveries that aren't part of the main plot, where you can plan, I have to go from this point to this point, which is pretty far, but there's a bunch of waypoints way in between. So I could take smaller deliveries to those spots that are in between and make stops and restock my supplies and then maybe pick up some other deliveries before i move on i found that also very satisfying but it doesn't really negate the point that a lot of the repetitious backtracking especially back to back is can be pretty frustrating I want to compliment the actors here. I feel like they weren't given super strong scripts to work with, but I feel like they all did a pretty good job. Um, I think at first you might feel like 
Die Hard Man is a little flat. He has some great scenes towards the end, though. And again, I think it's just he's given... He's not given very much at the beginning. I will say, back to the repetition stuff, one of the things that really frustrated me was how much you're going to be reminded of what you need to do for any particular mission. Like, you'll get a mission debrief before you go on the mission. As you accept the mission, Die Hard Man will again come over and tell you exactly what you need to do. And then he will periodically come over the radio and tell you again what you need to do while you're making the delivery. Which I just feel like, again, it's part of that problem of this game not really trusting you. I feel like it's kind of a... Like, it's it's just wants to hold your hand a lot. And that got pretty frustrating for me. Yeah, this game, more than any other, I have skipped the most cutscenes. I mean, for the second playthrough, I knew what was story important and what wasn't because I had played the game before. So I was able to skip a lot of that. But your first time through, you're not going to know. So you're going to end up listening to Die Hard Man tell you about the same mission four times. Or Dead Man will call you on your radio and be like, oh, here's how to use a thing you've already used. Like, that's really kind of (laughs) annoying. Um, Especially, there's also a bunch of, like, tedious... um, non-interactive things especially when you go to a private room and you're like okay now i have to take a piss i have to take a shit i have to shower i'll drink some monster energy and then these are all real things by the way um (laughs) i'm gonna check on my baby uh check my weapons like all of that is fine but there's like a 30 second cutscene for each thing (laughs) yep And it's like, you didn't have to do that, especially when you do it many, many times in the game. Um, Thankfully, and this was a huge issue in the original, uh, when the game first launched, you had to, if you wanted to skip the the three different shower cutscenes that play every time you shower, you had to press the options button, press the down button to get to the skip option, and then push X. And you had to do that for all three cutscenes for every time you wanted to shower. Um, thankfully, since I played it at launch, there's been a patch which just lets you push the circle button to skip it at any point. That is very helpful. <laughs> it was very frustrating in the original. Yeah, um, on that monster thing, it's funny. It's very funny. I left out loud. It's totally not a great thing to have this branded product in your sci-fi world. Again, it's just one of those elements that like this totally takes me out of it. Even if they had tried set dressing it a bit, maybe these were like beat up cans. I don't know that they had scavenged or something. The fact that like I then had to think about who's who's manufacturing monster in this world. Like th- that's no one a thought is. that he I has had a magic to... canteen. It's so dumb. <laughs> he has like, a canteen just... that magically transforms this harmful rain into monster energy that he can drink. Branded Marxer energy. Yeah, and it's just like. Yeah, it's funny, but, like, you just completely threw me out of the world, because then I had to think about that, right? It's it's pretty dumb. It's the advertisement for Norman Reedus's bike AMC show is even dumber. <laughs> yeah, when you use the potty, and then there's a advertisement for ride on AMC. It's just it's like, like, okay, so this kind Norman of marketing, an actor? Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, this style of marketing does not work in a post-apocalyptic setting. It just doesn't. You know, unless you... They don't you... really have TVs. They don't have yeah monster energy factories. Yeah, it's just... I. It's, it's a wild choice. 
this was also weird because in this second playthrough this didn't happen the first time i actually ended up replacing the monster energy in the in the private rooms it yes. just wasn't it wasn't monster energy more it was timefall porter which is an actual place in the game that makes like beer i guess <laughs> yep that happened to me too and then it went back to monster energy at the end of the game oh see i didn't it didn't ever swap back for me i mean the canteen is still magic and still produces monster energy but the private room's just still a timefall porter i was like okay at Weird. that point, I was kind of missing the monster energy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a pretty dumb decision. You know, it's on, on the pile of the dumb story decisions in this game, it's probably pretty insignificant, but it's just like, ugh, why? Why? Or like, at least know. give me some dumb story reason. Like, we scavenged these and they're the last cans on, I don't know, something. They're the last cans, but you can drink infinite of them. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just and try. Also, the magic try. canteen. It's magic. Also, funny side story. You know, um, Immortals: Phoenix Rising. That game. I know. How of it, it used to be called Gods and Monsters. Yeah, a better There's title. pretty heavy speculation that they had to change that name because Monster Energy is now involved in video games, specifically because of Death Stranding. Which I is... mean, they also had like a dirt bike game or whatever, but but that's that's insane that's hilarious yeah i don't know if that's entirely true but god damn okay yeah that's all that all is what it is um we talked about the actors for a little bit i do think they're all pretty good though i do think mads mickelson and troy baker kind of steal the show um and norman reedus when he actually gets to act i will say again it doesn't feel like they got him in the studio for long enough like there are long stretches of this game where he won't say a thing. And he's supposed to be stoic, but that's stoic? Come on. Um, but when he does get to act, it's pretty good. And Madge Mikkelsen is just amazing. You know, Android Baker, you, you you know them, right? And and they kill it. And Troy Baker is this, like, hammy-ass villain. He's really fun to watch. Uh, oh, he's extremely entertaining to watch. Hard to take serious, but very entertaining to watch. Yeah, um, and Mads Mikkelsen you can't take seriously i think he does he has a great emotional range and again that shouldn't be surprising it's a great actor so um i will also shout out tarmy earl jenkins especially i mean he plays die hartman and at the beginning and for most of the game he isn't given a lot to work with but when he is especially at the end of the game his performance really blew me away yeah um, it kind of made me made me upset that they hid him behind a mask for the entire game it's like, oh, no, he's a great actor. Like, you just hit him behind a mask and didn't let him act for the whole game. Yeah, I mean, they're all good actors. I just think some of them have dumb things to do, like Fragile. Um, oh, Fragile is... Fragile is a really unfortunate. unfortunate character. Where like, there's some cool shit about her. But, well, A, like everybody in this game, her name is fucking stupid. But B... <laughs> Everyone has stupid names. They're bad. Uh, but B, you have this super serious world with these super serious characters and one of them has a catchphrase <laughs> she sure does which is don't worry i'm not that fragile which is a stupid i'm i'm fragile but i'm not that fragile which <laughs> she pronounces the second one different oh it's so stupid like it's dumb and it doesn't fit with the world and then the other thing she does is she's constantly eating these bugs and it's played off as this comedy bit. And again, that just doesn't work for me at all. Like, it's just stupid. Like, her, 
you know, her character has legitimate emotional scenes that I think are good, but it's always undercut by this cartoony garbage. And I hate it. I just hate it so much. I feel like that... I feel that way about a lot of the characters. Um, Oh, yes. But she's the one that stood out the most to me for that. Where it's like, you have legitimate grievances against this villain. You know, there's some really good stuff here. You clearly regret what's happened to you. But also, every time I see you, you're telling me you're not that fragile. And then going, you want to eat this gross bug? (laughs) Hey, Norman Reedus, eat this bug. (laughs) It's like, this is not endearing. I feel like you wanted me to think it's endearing. I don't. I'm just annoyed. The one there's a line at the end of the game that really got me. Anyone who's played this game knows the line. It's rough. If if I didn't stop caring about the plot before then, it would have completely ruined it. There are three separate characters with called Man in this game. There's Die Hard Man, Dead Man, and Hartman, which if you're half paying attention will confuse the shit out of you. <laughs> if you're only half paying attention to the plot. Fucking why? That's the worst. It, none of them were as bad as the character named Mama, though. Which <laughs> That's rough. Come on. Yeah, not great female representation for this game. No, you have one named all. Fragile and one named Mama. It's like, that's... that. No, come on. <laughs> come on, yeah. Kojima. You can't just do that. I guess Lochna is also there, but that's some other bullshit. There's definitely some things about it that just like really rub me the wrong way. There's also just some stuff about it where I'm like... I think you're trying to express maybe some, like, parental issues you had. Like, I feel like that's probably a subplot in here somewhere somebody could dive into. But it just it just completely falls flat for me. I don't think it's done well at all. Yeah, are you ready to move on to spoiler stuff? Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get there? Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing I, I really like about this game, and the reason why I... I mean, the main reason I wanted to play it for the show was because it's fucking weird and like interesting in a way that in the way that it takes sort of these modern open world action conventions that we've seen for many, many years now and does something very different and doing something different with that is not something we haven't seen. Obviously there's a slew of, very inventive and very creative indie games out there but for this extremely high budget triple a video game to be like we're a hiking simulator and we're gonna do a bunch of dumb shit with our plot and we're still gonna have this insane budget and these high budget actors and i think all of that was actually pretty refreshing i thought and and mainly on the gameplay front it's an action game that's not really focused on the action per se it's mainly focused on just movement and taking in the environment and then dealing with it accordingly and i found all of that really great to experience especially the first time but you know as i play it more as i look more closely at the story it's fucking ridiculous (laughs) and if you're willing to accept that then by all means you'll enjoy this game if you're not willing to accept that then you know, you're not going to enjoy the time you spend here. So accept that it's ridiculous, accept that it's a hiking simulator and you'll probably enjoy it too. You can pee on a ghost. You can piss on ghosts. Which is pretty funny, though they will not let you see the Rita's penis. And I, for one, think that that is bullshit. (laughs) They wanted to skirt the AO rating. 
It's actually pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and I will say shout out to the soundtrack. It's pretty good. Um, it has some OST, but it's actually pretty light. It's actually mostly licensed tracks, which you will hear some throughout this game, mostly by uh, Low Roar. And I think for the most part, I actually like their inclusion. It, it gives some weight to some of the missions when they come on. It's cool. You can also like unlock a bunch of soundtracks like... I got unlocked God of War at one point. Um, <laughs> I did too. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I'll double that. I love the soundtrack. I've listened to it many times. The score itself is there's like one main theme that's pretty cool, but the rest of it is mostly atmospheric tracks. Nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't stick in my brain. The low low roar stuff is just pure like ambient synth pop stuff. That's like really either good background music but also just like really emotional foreground music which music is kind of hard to do both at the same time i feel like they really accomplished this i don't think any of those any of the lower tracks were composed for this game i think they're all no, they're not from their old older albums that my guess kojima was just a huge fan was like let's just put a bunch of their stuff in the game he did kit major laser churches and bring me the horizon to compose songs for it though yeah those are actually really good tracks they don't play during the story but they are an option to listen to in the private rooms and they're pretty great tracks actually yeah shout out to ludens by bring me the horizon which you will definitely be hearing at some point in this episode because it's a banger oh yeah that one's fantastic um the low roar and then there's a silent poets track as well that's really great in here and then the church's track as well just titled death stranding i find that one really good also just like with our tony hawken episode don't tell anyone Shh, it's fine don't tell anyone this is our secret um yeah um all right well let's move into spoilers so if you want to experience the story unspoiled leave now I will say, if you do, prepare to be a little bit disappointed, at least in my opinion. I do know some people like it, but I think it's I think it bites off a little more than it can chew, I guess, is how I would summarize my thoughts on the story. But, yeah, so we'll see you later. all right let's um do you want to start off with the character stuff do you have a favorite moment actually let's start off there let's set a tone was there a moment that you were like damn this is actually pretty good yes i am having trouble remembering give me one second (laughs) it's all good i really i hated them gameplay wise which is what we were talking about earlier but the the sections where you are in battlefields with Clifford Unger, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character, those sections art-wise and story-wise I thought were super cool. It's just the gameplay was awful. But like, I really enjoyed those aspects of the story. I thought that was a cool concept. I loved seeing these World War One slash 2 like tanks with all this, like, you know, the Death Stranding, the, um, the sea creatures, all like the octopuses and stuff plastered over them. I thought they were dope. I love Clifford Unger's, like, militaristic uniform. I love his, like, weird gauge there. Like, it, 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 everything looks dope in those sections, even if gameplay-wise it completely falls flat. 
yeah, he can summon skeleton soldiers that with guns and he lights the puddle of tar he's standing in on fire. All of that just is style for style's sake. And I love that. And then I, I do actually think if we're just talking characters, then I feel like Clifford Unger's story is probably the most solid in the entire game. 100%. Because not only is Mads Mikkelsen doing a great job acting here, but the way that it intertwines with the main story, but also being told mainly through flashbacks and these pseudo dream sequences is really interesting. These battlefield sequences are definitely the most visually striking. I love those. They were shown in one of the early trailers and it immediately got me hooked seeing a tank with tentacles and goo and uh, it's so great. But I mean, that moment at the end, we're in spoiler territory now, the moment at the end where Cliff is like mourning his baby as it got shot and then uh, John's also there and he shot him and all of that emotion and as he's just singing to his child, like all of that was very, very affecting. <laughs> and it's mainly because this, his story is both easy to understand and also just pretty emotional as it's written. <laughs> um, and then the twist at the end that Clifford is not bb28's father he's actually sam's father i thought that was a good twist that kind of recontextualized a lot of the stuff in the game i liked it too though i will say play good i was like oh kajiba likes interstellar this is the same thing as interstellar with like the floating around section where you're looking at these past events like it was it was very similar in a way that i was like oh okay which you know I like that movie too, so I'm not complaining too much. Do you want to start off talking about characters? We have a whole thing. Who do you want to start with? Who do you want to start with? We'll go from there. Let's just get Mama out of the way so I don't have to think about that character anymore. Alright, so Mama, her real name is Malingan. Um, she's a scientist who researches BTs in the beach. Um, she has a twin sister named Lachna. I googled this. Um, Malingan and Lochna are the name of two craters that um, both showed up at the same time. So they're twins and they there's craters and they're yeah, you know Kojima and his naming. <laughs> Kojima can't do normal names. There were two characters in this game that I thought, oh at least these two have normal names, being Clifford and Higgs. <laughs> you thought I thought and then I got to the section with Higgs where he screams at you I am the god particle and I wanted to shut the game off <laughs> I'm the god particle that permeates all existence and I just went referencing the Higgs, Higgs boson, boson particle yeah. I fucking yep. hate you Kojima I fucking hate you um, and then I think Clifford... Higgs is his actual in-universe name though like the rest of these characters they're renamed based off of dumb shit like mama's renamed mama because she had a kid and it's a whole thing we'll get back into that hartman is named that because of his heart condition but the but those aren't his real name i think higgs is his actual name and he's like fuck it let's just base it off of this it'll be funny yeah and then clifford and then has Cl <laughs> oh my god Clifford's is even dumber though like you're like oh clifford unger sure and it's literally just so he has a line where he goes, oh, my name's Clifford, like I'm walking to the edge of a cliff. 
or some shit like that and it's just so dumb he was like oh sam porter or sam bridges you're a bridge but i'm just a cliff without a bridge oh my god and it's like what are you doing (laughs) just name him cliff it's fine you can just leave the name man fuck off with sam porter bridges who works for bridges who's fucking being run by bridget like why (laughs) okay yeah i'll get into some of that lore stuff but it is written like that so it's not really an excuse (laughs) all right yeah let's 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 move for this quicker sorry um yeah i mean back to mama she's developing stuff she developed the cupid which you're using to connect the chiral network together and the cufflinks which are your spy kids wristwatch thing that looks like a pair of handcuffs for some reason she had a baby but it was some convoluted thing where it was her twin sister's baby as well and it was like this whole thing with her and but then there's an accident. I have it all written down much clearer than this. I just don't want to read it because <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> the, she ha- There's an accident with like a terrorist attack. So she was trapped under rubble. The baby died, but it was turned into a BT. And then she's just tethered to it still. To its umbilical she gives, cord. Yeah. I mean, all the ghosts have umbilical cords. She's just still attached to it. It's like really weird. But because of that, then they split up. Mama and Lachna split up. And there's some dumb shit where they're like two halves of the same soul. And then... So then Sam separates the baby with those new handcuffs. And then takes Mama to Lachna. And then Mama dies. dies because of that, right? (laughs) Because she's disconnected from the baby, yeah. So she knew that was going to happen yeah why the fuck wouldn't she have you take her to her twin sister before cutting the baby (laughs) no because you have to carry her alive so she can talk to you on the way there it's just one of those things where that doesn't make any sense for this character who's supposed to be super smart you're gonna sever this tie with this baby which you know is going to kill you but you also need to be with your twin sister so, why would you risk being severed before going to your twin sister? Why would that's actually okay? So actually, the baby and mama are tethered to that location. That's why her lab isn't in the nearby South Knot City. It's outside of it because she was still tethered to the site where the baby was born. Because that's where the beach is in some stupid way. That's they not... do explain it at least. Do they? <laughs> yeah. They're tethered to that site, so she can't leave with the baby to go other places. She has to stay there. Okay. But the other characters use the beach to travel. Well, they're different. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they have they have that. dooms. They have different levels of dooms. Okay. Continue. <laughs> it's yeah, it's dumb. The Anyway, she was basically dead already. She died in the accident, and she had her cufflinks off the whole time because she doesn't have vitals, I guess. But she's still alive. I don't know. She gets to Mountain Knot City, and then Mama dies, and then Mama's soul goes into Lachna's body, and then now they're one person again. Yep, and then, that is what happens. That's... I mean, no, I know that's what happens. I've read many Wikipedia wiki pages on this, but then all of this is just so that you can update your Cupid so that less BTs happen. 
for some reason, which I didn't know was a problem. So it's like, okay, all right. Um, I think that's probably the worst character story just because of how nonsense it is and how like kind of slightly problematic it gets at some points. But, you know, whatever. Let's talk about Hartman, a character I do like quite a bit. Yeah, Hartman. Okay, so Hartman is played by Nicholas Winding Refn, but voiced by someone else. Yeah, it's the same situation as um, Del Toro. Yeah, he's also voiced by someone else, which is strange. I don't know why they did that, unless they built a model of the people and then mo-capped them with someone else and then had them record lines. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Hartman, he's also a scientist, as pretty much everyone is. He was studying the beach after they there was okay so this is a better story it's still fucking stupid the oh to be clear the baseline for all of these stories characters is dumb some of them are less dumb than others but it's all dumb yeah so hartman there was a simultaneous void out that left a heart-shaped crater why yeah you know because he has heart stuff so there's a heart crater (laughs) anyway he was having heart surgery at the time of the heart crater, which caused a power outage at the hospital, and it shut off his life support, and he died. And then his family also died in that void out. He saw his family going to the afterlife, and he was like, no, come back. And then he, the backup generator kicked in, and he was returned back to life, but he didn't have his family with him. So now he induces cardiac arrest every 21 minutes so that he can go back to the beach and look for him, and then... Three minutes later, he comes back to the real world and he repeats the cycle many, many times. He's been doing it for decades. This is also where they established that time moves differently there. In the beach, yeah. Again, another concept that I'm convinced he just watched Interstellar. <laughs> That's rad. Another dumb part about Hartman's story is that ever, since he's done this so many times, it's actually deformed his heart to be the actual shape of a heart. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Why did you write that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so Hartman uh, does this. This is also in his lab. He pulls out a thing of a cabinet of movies and all of them are great. They're either parodies of existing movies with rain motifs because of like the time fall or they're things like 21 minute shorts (laughs) or not another beach movie. Like that's great. I paused the game and read all those. Those are great. No, and I love those first initial scenes with him where you get to meet him physically because they put a timer on screen. And so it's like, he's actually up for 21 minutes. They're not faking it, which I think is actually like to give Kojima some Reddit uh, writing quality, uh, you know, to give him some credit for that. The having to write a scene specifically around being 21 minutes is pretty impressive. I also love Hartman as a character because he will directly just give thumbs up to the camera yes and he gives you likes <laughs> he gives you actual points for that there's also times when you're checking on bb and he'll give you a like by giving you a thumbs up and i find that's fun yeah big fan of that yeah so he also kind of knows that his 21 minute journey to the beach all the time is kind of uh, pointless because the beaches are not interconnected like everyone has their own 
So except for when just... characters can travel to the same one for some reason. Well, or when they're tethered like the the supercell beaches, the the wartime beaches, those are all connected. It's whatever. <laughs> but he eventually gives up the qu- after the events of the game, which I think is told through like a audio log or whatever. He realizes that it's pointless. He gives it up and then he falls in love with someone else and moves on with his life. Yeah. Um I think he's a fun character. I love his actor. I wish I'd looked that up. His voice actor. They're great. Um yeah, he's probably uh yeah, I'd probably say he's probably my favorite side character. Like helper, you know, companion character. Let's uh let's talk about Dead Man. Dead Man? Dead Man. Alright, Dead Man's probably the shortest one. He mainly just helps you through the whole game. Um, but it is shown and told later that not shown, just told. That's yep, how this yep, game conveys information. This game tells, um, not shows. He was initially grown in an artificial womb and has several organs harvested from cadavers. Um he also has he does not have his own beach and he can enter the beaches of others sometimes. Um, when it's convenient then, for the plot yes yeah kinda and then he just helps Sam and digs through the archives all the time there's and a, it's played by Guillermo del Toro and voiced by someone else that I can't remember there's a very awkward kind of funny but mostly awkward shower scene yeah I mean I mean I liked yeah. it <laughs> it, was, it, it was, was funny and I did like the mistrust of the president stuff it's for silly it as it, much. yeah for silly and not inventive as it is it's 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 kind of fun uh speaking of that die hardman yeah die hardman okay so well to do die hardman we kind of have to do cliff as well okay pretty tied yeah sure so cliff we'll start there obviously clifford unger we said that before um he served in the u.s army in iraq and afghanistan and then he was mainly praised for his ability to always bring his entire squad back alive and unscathed um and among that unit was john blake who john blake mclean is his full name who becomes die hardman and he gets the name die hardman because he is hard to kill because he returned from war a bunch of hang on hang on stop i don't what's his name his real name john blake mclean his name is john mclean Yes, his name is John McClane. As in the actor. Is it the actor or the character from the film Die Hard? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep, it's Die Hard Man named John McClane. Oh my it. god. I think I need to leave. <laughs> um, anyway, That's really Cliff- bad. <laughs> John Blake McLean. He's only ever called John in the game. I don't remember any time where he's called John Blake McLean, but there you go. Oh, Kojima. Good old Kojima. Anyway, Cliff falls in love with Lisa Bridges, who founded Bridges. Mm-hmm. So there's the name connection. They build bridges, by the way. Both yes, they... Metaphorically, through connections to people, but also fucking literally, because this game is not subtle in any way. Also, Bridget and all that. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Cliff falls John in love McClane, with Lisa Bridges. Fuck off! <laughs> I'm sorry. You can continue. I'm just, I'm. 
this is a discovery that I didn't make, so I'm having my mind blown in a bad way right now. <laughs> All right, have fun scooping your brain. Then, so they have a son, and then Cliff leaves active duty to be with his family. He returns home. Uh, why his wife and him are involved in an accident. Cliff survives. Lisa survives, but is brain dead. And then their son, uh, who is not born yet, uh, kind of survives, but is ha- has to be put in a BB pod. This is way before the events of the actual death, the first Death Stranding, um, which caused the apocalypse, basically. It's the so sixth, fifth Death Stranding, right? The sixth, but only the first part of the sixth. Okay. We'll get to that when we get to Amelie. But so the son gets put in a BB pod. Cliff realizes his wife is not going to return. Uh, just spends a lot of time bonding with the BB pod, which um, at the end of the game we realize is Sam, the character you play as. Um, but then John, John McClane, <laughs> Die Hardman, he's working as security personnel for Bridges, um, realizes Cliff is there and they reconnect. And then Bridget Strand, who is the new leader of Bridges and the president of the later formed uca which is the new usa united cities of america yeah 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 bridget orders for more experience to be performed on bb that is going to move him to a different facility away from cliff so john warns cliff the bb is going to be moved um john swore an oath to the president but he's like i want to help cliff so he shuts off the security thing gives cliff a gun to kill his wife because you can't turn off the life support for some reason um and then tells him to escape with bb but he says that if he gets caught then he's probably going to get killed by john so then he kills his wife with the gun escapes with bb is caught by security flees back to the room with his wife's body and then tries to block the door it fails bridget breaks in and cliff is then gunned down a bridget orders john to kill cliff but john doesn't want to so bridget pulls the trigger on john's gun herself which causes the gun to miss and shoot both cliff and the bb at the same time Uh and then bridget who is also amelie we'll get to that in a second uh brings the bb back to life and that is what causes the initial death stranding okay um let's let's do amelie okay uh i mean then cliff goes to the the war beach as the combat veteran you fight him a bunch of times and then at the end cliff realizes that sam was his kid the whole time and then uh passes on to the afterlife i guess (laughs) and we should say the beaches are basically like a purgatory like this is where you go before you move on, essentially. Um, kind of like a halfway state between being alive and dead. But um, you can also use it as an information trouble. tube or a teleporting or just first for fun. <laughs> yep. I did like them visually quite a bit, though. Um, yeah, for sure. And I did like Cliff's, like, like kind of fucked up Valhalla thing. Like, that was kind of cool. The war beaches. Yeah. yeah. 
they're just based off of World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam, in that order. Yeah. So they all are pretty visually distinct. Um, anyway, getting to Die Hardman after he kills Cliff, they fake John's suicide so that he's not linked to this shit happening. Bridget gives John her mask, which is Die Hardman's mask now, and then he recruits Sam to expand the Carol network. And then at the end, he's brought into Amelie's beach. And then he leaves a message for Dead Man and Sam saying that he's going to kill Amelie, knowing that she started the Death Stranding, really, not him. Um, and then gets stopped by Cliff. And then he removes his mask, delivers his speech to the UCA, and then catches Sam, breaks down into tears, does some phenomenal acting, and then confesses to killing cliff even though he technically didn't in a weird way um and then sam says move on with your life basically yep well amelie's our last one right um well major character well i guess higgs yeah so higgs and amelie and bridget are all tied together so we'll run through that all right so higgs uh, played by the phenomenal Troy Baker, hamming it up is amazing in this role <laughs> as just an absolute goof. Yeah, totally. And also completely creepy every time he licks someone's face. I hate that so much. Oh, I know. I know. He, uh, yeah. Um. So Higgs, he started off as a porter after he killed his uncle in their bunker. Um. That's all backstory. That's not super important. Um, but anyway, he's like, okay, cool. I have a bunch of superpowers, villain superpowers. He began reading Wisdom of the Egyptians. He learned the Egyptians' belief of life and death and how it's very similar to post-Death Stranding. Wait, he really quick. A... Do they ever yeah. explain his powers? Because they don't in the course of the main story. Um. Yes, kind of. Okay. <laughs> so... I feel like I cut it down with that explanation through the course of the main story like i was gonna get that and then they didn't bother they hint at it but like it's not shown so yeah because it's something stupid like all like a bunch of characters have dooms which is some thing where they can interact with the beach in some way sam's dooms mainly just lets him sense when bts are around fragiles let her teleport and then higgs does pretty much everything (laughs) um and then well higgs Mama lets him Lachna. control the ghost like he can summon them which is yeah, like there's a reason for that so anyway he starts the um he starts a group of porters after wearing a golden death mask because you know it looks cool he gets a bunch of people together and then he joins his group with fragile express with fragile mainly after her after admiring her doom's powers being able to teleport and all that um but his ultimate goal is to expand the operations across the continent and him taking over the country by the way all of this post-apocalypse stuff is only ever shown in the u.s and it's not clear as to whether or not the rest of the world is supremely affected by this yeah they kind of just reference it I guess they don't they don't have a reference to the rest of the world. Yeah, I found that strange, but also it's Especially like Especially considering there's a Spaniard and an Englishman, <laughs> you think like you think like maybe there could be some backstory there where that would help fill that out a bit. 
so since Sam's resurrection started the Death Stranding initially, anyone that's older than Sam was there before, and anyone that's younger is was there after. <laughs> like that's kind of a good way to look at that. Yeah, I don't know. I sometimes I just think like the rest of the countries are looking at the UCA or the former USA and they're like, yeah, we're not fucking with that. <laughs> Even like Canada is like, nah, fuck them. <laughs> we don't have we don't have ghosts up here. Haha. <laughs> Whatever. It's not super important. So then Higgs meets Amelie, who is Bridget's supposed daughter. I'll I say supposed. I'll get to that in a second. Um and Amelie is also the next president of the United States or the UCA or whatever it is now. Higgs meets her and then believes that she's the only one to lead the country. So she gives him a fake BB unit that is actually just one of those creepy dolls. And that allows him to use Amelie's beach as power. Did you get that? Yep, got it. Okay, so he can detect BTs. He creates the tar belt outside of Edgenot City. He can summon BTs. He can teleport. He can uh, float things with his brain sometimes. Uh, he's he, But this is all coming from Amelie's beach, which is all powerful for reasons I will explain later. Amelie then convinces Higgs that the last stranding, as they call it, which is the sixth extinction event, uh, is something that is inevitable and they should work to start it so higgs is like okay i guess uh he forms the homo demons which are the terrorists that you fight in the game they use their their combined operations of the new terrorist group and fragile express into delivering bombs across the country higgs tricks fragile into delivering a nuke to middle Knot city which is destroyed but fragile teleports out of there and then higgs attempts the exact same thing again <laughs> But Fragile's like, no, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that. So then Higgs is like, okay, uh, you can either do it and get rid of the bomb and teleport away and then the city's destroyed. Or you can run naked with the bomb to the tar belt to destroy the bomb and not have it destroy the city. But the time fall will destroy you, basically. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that sucks. Um, anyway, she does that and then saves the city, so good for her. Higgs, who is still an underling of Amelie, basically uh, begins worrying about Sam because Amelie is something of... Amelie is Sam's mother slash brother. Uh, again, that's... We'll get to that in a second. Um, he uses the power decides to confront sam causing the void out at the start of the game which you fail to deliver the body higgs summons a bunch of bosses to fight him he disguises himself extremely poorly as a bridges member and attempts to get sam to deliver a nuke oh as well <laughs> you're like it's so clearly higgs uh-huh it's like oh this package didn't get tagged in the system but here it is it's definitely not a bomb have fun yeah yeah Sam disposes of the bomb, saves it. Um, he summons some more monsters. Sam, on his trip to Edgenot City to save Amelie and to connect the UCA, summons the final boss, basically. Uh, Sam defeats it 
and then they're both transported to Amelie's beach. Sam has a fist fight with Higgs, um, throwing PlayStation 4s at his face. And then the fragile shows up for some reason using one of the baby dolls that Die Hardman was given, I believe. And then uh, uh, fragile says you can either kill yourself or stay here on the beach forever. And then Higgs explains the whole plan. Higgs chooses to stay on the beach and then writes a bunch of letters or whatever. You can take my Sorry about that, listeners. I had to go take care of something, so there's an awkward cut there. My bad. I had to go let somebody in the house. All right, so we got Higgs's story out of the way. You want to do? Let's talk about Bridget slash Amelie. Yeah, let's finish that uh, up. All right, so Bridget Strand, who we talked about before, she's the president of the UCA. She dies at the beginning of the game. You incinerate her body, all that, yada yada yada. She kills Sam and Cliff and all that um she's actually two people there's bridget strand and samantha america strand (laughs) (laughs) okay not a joke definitely what it's called but they're technically the same person so bridget is i guess the body and then amelie is the soul that's how i understood it bridget developed cancer in her 20s she had surgery and then her body and soul separated and Samantha America strand who I will refer to as Amelie from now on is get stuck in the beach. And then Bridget is in the flesh world. Um, and they're both the same entity and they are the sixth extinction entity, which extinction entities are explained as like a certain being that is destined to bring about the extinction of all living things on the planet and the earth just does this a couple times there were five previously and then here's the sixth one it's uh bridget america strand samantha amelie (laughs) so amelie's on the beach bridget's on earth bridget fabricates a story so that that samantha america amelie (laughs) is her daughter even though she just had uterine cancer surgery anyway it's it's her daughter since they age differently so it's like oh it's not some weird thing it's my daughter it's some weird thing uh amelie on the beach her strange all-powerful extinction entity beach that higgs pulls all kinds of power from later she discovers biological records of all of the previous extinction entities and and she's like, uh-oh, this isn't good. So she and Bridget, since I guess they're kind of two people now, uh, work to create the Chiral Network, which is a um, national internet that is extremely fast and also contains the entire history of human accomplishments. And it travels through the beach somehow. Not super well explained, but that's basically what it is. Um, so Amelie starts this and it's mainly to learn more about the extinction entities and how to prevent the next, next mass extinction. She 
I guess Amelie leads Bridges one, which is an expedition to set up the chiral network. I don't know how she did that. If she's yep. a ghost. That's my problem with it too. She's basically like a force ghost. Like, I guess, but, but like she's nobody knows that. So how do you keep that a secret? <laughs> yeah. So Bridget fabricates this whole history that she's her daughter because the ghost can just kind of hang out so they're like oh i saw a ghost of you that looked wicked young what and then she leads an expedition across the country as a ghost it should also be pointed out that this is a character played by Lindsay wagner who's super old she's playing bridget but the younger version amelie is like her age down i did i was not aware of that yes she's like a that's why she looks weird <laughs> movie star from forever ago so it's like kojima made her younger <laughs> yeah it's weird also um bridget is the president of bridges so there you go strand they're using the strands to tie things up and you carry a strand through the whole game amelie is as she explains at the end of the game um is the ame which is the french word for soul and then lie so she's a lie of a soul there you go there's your name explanations in case you were curious i wasn't not anymore (laughs) not anymore not after fucking john mcclain Uh (laughs) uh-huh no i'm good (laughs) all right cool um she leads bridges one i guess somehow um gets to edge not city which is basically where san francisco is i believe and then she is tech she plays that she's captured by the homo demons which is higgs's crew um but she actually hired higgs or recruited higgs to help bring about the sixth extinction what a poor explanation of that by the way what they've captured me they're holding me capture but i can communicate and talk to you whenever i want what? Yeah, and also like Nonsense. she's a ghost. <laughs> it's just like, but even before you know that, like the very concept that like, oh, this super dangerous, like scary terrorist organization has captured me, but they're just cool if I communicate to you whenever, and we plot against you whenever. They're cool with it. It's actually pretty chill here. It's not that bad. What? What? <laughs> but definitely come rescue me, for sure. Oh my god. Anyway. She, I guess, realized somewhere in there that the sixth extinction was inevitable so that she was like, okay, I guess if that's my whole reason for existing, I'm just going to get it over with and start the extinction early. So that's why she gets Higgs to help her out and blow a bunch of stuff up, basically. And then the whole last stranding thing, which is the final act of the game, and the stupidest fuck line that like mario and princess beach <laughs> oh man you cited uh, that as like ruining the game for you i got there and i'm like i mean this game was already stupid like it did not no exactly i was already like not giving a shit about the plot but then when that came up i was like really are you kidding me yeah uh it's if i dumb. hadn't given up on the plot beforehand that would be where it just like completely there's i don't know how anyone would get past that and still think this story makes sense or is good <laughs> it's entertaining but it's not good <laughs> i'll say that so yeah i guess that's amelie slash bridget and their weird shit and then the real meat of the story is basically just 
Cliff, Sam, and Lou. That's all their stuff. Lou is the BB that Sam gets and then gets really attached to. He doesn't and then start has... calling her Lou until pretty late into the game, which was a little weird. Like halfway through the game. It was late enough, though, where I went, I think it has a name. <laughs> what? It does now. It just, it was a weirdly anticlimactic thing. Like, I, I figured that would come, but it just, it felt weirdly placed. Yeah, I like, though, that there's a moment when Sam does start calling the BB Lou, and then all of the UI elements that say BB are replaced by Lou. I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, that is nice. So I want to bring up a couple of interesting scenes. One, I think crossing the tar the tar belt is the only moment in this game where I went, fuck, that's cool. Uh, it's a dope sequence. I thought I really like the sort it's of really like... really clever, too. Yeah. Because, like, you essentially have to get caught by the BTs. Um, and then they'll throw you into the middle of the tar belt. And then you do this, like... Like, you're basically just platforming to get away from them to get across the entire... To get across the sea, basically. It just... Yeah, because when really you get neat. caught by a, B, a BT, it brings a bunch of pre-Death Stranding structures out of the tar. Like, cars and buildings or whatever. So you use that to hop across the tar belt. You have to intentionally get caught and then jump across those to get across the tar belt. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I took a picture of it, and I don't think anybody noticed, but I was like, oh, this fucking weird Sonic Adventure remake. <laughs> just, <laughs> For sure. gross whale. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's a cool so, moment. Um, also about that whale at the very end when you're doing your your trek back across the country after you do the whole ending sequence. You know, you have to go all the way across the entire game again, basically. Yeah. So right at the end, when you get back to the start of the game, there's a final boss against a giant floating whale. Mm -hmm. And then after that, Amelie basically says that her whole thing was like, I want to start the new extinction uh, extinction event, but I wanted Sam to be with me because I do actually care about him. Why did she send the whale? (laughs) She's in control of the BTs, right? Oh, you know, it's just another element of the story that doesn't make sense. I will say something cool about that. I was listening to another spoiler cast, um, which, by the way, shout out to the podcast beyond spoiler cast of this game. I have had that thing saved on my phone for a full year. Because I went, someday I'll play that game. But one of them was talking about how they didn't have that final boss fight. And they kind of came to the conclusion that, oh, he fought it during the tar bit and killed it there. Which I think is pretty neat the the whale he yeah wait what <laughs> you can kill it in the tar bit i guess and not have oh, to fight and then it, it later doesn't on. show up at the end yeah that's cool actually it is cool so shout out to that uh i do want to say that moment with amelie when you're on the beach and it's presented as a choice where you have to um what's basically presented of oh you're gonna shoot her or you're gonna let her start the extension entity that sucks <laughs> I want to call it yeah, that specifically. You, you can't pick either option. <laughs> yeah, and it really poorly communicates what you're actually supposed to do. So I ended up redoing that section like six times. Like, not even a joke. Oh, I did it like... I mean, this was my second time playing it. I had forgotten about it and still ended up doing it like four times. <laughs> yeah, because it basically forces you into a third-person uh, shooter. Can't Like, your reticule's up. You can't take it away. So it's like, oh, I guess I got a shooter. That doesn't work. 
the thing you actually have to do is run up to her and we have to unequip your gun, which is weird already. And then you have to run up and hug her. Yeah, which is fine, but it's not telegraphed at all. Yeah, no, and like, at no point in this game does it ever force you to take out your gun. So it's just this weirdly, like, oh, I guess this is a scripted sequence where it wants me to shoot her. It's just weird. It, it feels unnecessarily convoluted for what that scene is. And what about that final credits that are still plot important? The first final credits. When you're on the beach and you walk very slowly, like... In circles without going anywhere, and then you wait for the next story sequence to happen. When I thought that that was the final credits, I was like, okay, this is cool, I guess. I mean, it's a dumb story, but like, I like the way this is presenting stuff. But, but yeah, especially in the context of knowing that's not the end, it's kind of frustrating. I imagine if I do a second playthrough, that will annoy the shit out of me. Um, just because of how slowly paced it is. Yep. It's you pretty You just have rough. to sit and then run until you get tired, I guess, and then wait, and then Amelie ex- exposits some more, and then you run around a little bit more, and then she stops and exposits some more, but she couldn't have done that the first time. I was already sitting down. We had more credits to get through, but then we get through the credits again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, those are basically the scenes I want to call out. I don't have too much more. I didn't love... The big boss fights, they work better than the smaller encounters with humanoids, but I still felt like my issues with the shooting persisted. It just made it better because you're hitting a larger target. <laughs> so, yeah, it was well, fine. and it's weird because you don't have to worry about weight or anything. I mean, you kind of, if you want to carry everything, but but it's not like that's the point of the game. You're not trying to deliver this stuff. You're just like, okay, this. Gun's out of ammo, I guess I'll drop it. Or, oh, this blood bag's out of ammo, I gotta drop it. I mean, and that stuff right there is what makes those shooter sections with Clifford is part of the reason why they're kind of a nightmare is because this is not set up like a third-person shooter. So you can't just go run over a gun and pick up ammo. You actually have to pick up the gun, which takes a slot on your back, which means you're, you know, carrying a bunch of shit, which means you have to remember to also drop the ones that are empty. It's just the whole thing is clunky and not, not particularly great. I like those fights spectacly, like visually, the, you know, fighting the big whale and the big pigs thing. Like, they looked cool, but in practice, I really disliked playing the, those sections. Um, and we kind of already talked about the interstellar section with Clifford, where you're flying around as Sam, revisiting the scenes you've seen throughout the game from uh, the BB perspective, but now you're kind of this weird ghost. Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything we haven't covered yet that you want to mention? Um, I think probably my favorite enemy is the the Metroids. The, you know, the Metroids. Yeah, the things that show up for like the last thirty minutes. Yeah, I think I mainly just like them because you can shoot them once and they explode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all right. It gave some variety. Um, and I do like the way that they made the map look on your final visit through it. That was actually one of the few times where they made you walk across the map where I actually liked it. It actually reminded me a lot of the ending of Final Fantasy XV. Um, so, yeah, I, to that, I'll I guess. that one for sure. Um, which is a game I actually like quite a bit, <laughs> and its story, weirdly. But other than that, I, I, don't, I think we've, we've covered it all. <laughs> yeah, so what's your final verdict of this game? I like it. I will definitely, and this is sort of us, you know, coming to the end here. I will play a sequel if they make it. I enjoyed it enough. 
I will not play that sequel for story. I will not devour the trailers for story, which, by the way, going back and looking at those other trailers, wild that he literally puts cutscenes from the end of the game into his trailers. <laughs> Why? Yeah, but you have no context, and also you barely have context when you actually get to those cutscenes. So, like... Yeah, it's, it's just not, weird. It's, it's a weird way of getting around being a spoiler while being a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the gameplay, I... I did enjoy, you know, like, again, I, I had, there was moments of tedium. I, you know, hopefully for a sequel, they overhaul that combat. But yeah, and there, you know, there's a bunch of really weird, silly shit in there that I really liked. The stupid peeing on ghosts that, like, I love the little holograms you could run across the characters. I loved, like, running across, um, uh, what's her name from Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> like, just weird stuff like that is fun. Um, the dumb cameos I enjoyed. Um, I didn't find them all. I didn't find... I don't think I found Jeff Keighley's character. I know he's in there. I found uh, yeah, Talk the, Show Dude. Whatever his name is. Conan <laughs> O'Brien. Uh, yeah. I forget his name. Um, did you find Junji Ito? He's probably my favorite person to deliver to as well. Uh, I don't remember. He's like right next to Lake Not City. Okay. Yeah. I, I know there's a bunch of them and I, I just didn't do all those side quests. So I don't. I didn't see everybody for sure. But it it was fun. Yeah, I mean, overall, I did have an enjoyable experience, you know, with a lot of caveats, but I did like it. You've obviously played it twice, so you, I think you enjoy it quite a bit more than me, but what about you? What's your final verdict? Yeah, I mean, I... When I finished this game the first time, I was definitely uncertain about how I felt, mainly because the story was absolute garbage. <laughs> and I enjoyed the story to some extent because of partially because of how ridiculous it is i find that just kind of enjoyable and also like the stupid amount of lore and backstory and stuff i find that enjoyable sometimes it doesn't make sense or isn't very good but like i still enjoy it and i will defend i think this game has cool concepts like cool sci-fi oh, it looks stuff fantastic yeah and i again what i said earlier and i i kind of stand by this i know you, you disagree a little bit I do feel like he came up with a bunch of cool ass concepts and they needed to wrap a narrative around them. Like, Oh, I definitely think you're right on that front. I, yeah, it's just, I just wish that narrative was better. Hopefully for a sequel, he hires some more writers though. I don't know. He seems pretty, <laughs> he seems like he wants to do it all. So I don't know. And maybe, maybe there's some charm to that. I'll say it. Maybe, maybe some of that bullshit is the Kojima-ness of it is okay. I don't know. I mean, that's the same reason that I enjoy the metal gear solid plots is because they get so insanely convoluted and dumb it's the same reason why i like the kingdom hearts plots i don't care enough about them to be genuinely invested but just kind of absorbing the pure chaos of how insane the plot is i find something about that really fun i definitely feel like this is a case much like kingdom hearts where they just kind of wrote it as they went along <laughs> and we're like, I don't know, here's some cool concepts. What do they mean? I don't know. You figure it out. Yeah. And it just, to me, it doesn't feel like it has the writing chops to pull that stuff off. You know, it's not like, like, I mean, neither does kingdom hearts, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> still enjoy it for that reason. I mean, I referenced Nolan a couple times with interstellar here, and I think there's a lot of fair criticism you can levy against him and his movies. But at the end of the day, they still are interesting to think about. And you can still go, oh, I guess that does fit together. And that does make some amount of sense. You know, you can nitpick them. 
this is not that. This, you nitpick it to death. Like, it doesn't... And they're not nitpicks. They're more like giant craters in the whole of this plot. Like, it's... You can it, void out this plot. Yeah, and then... yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's an enjoyable experience. I liked the gameplay. That was the biggest shock to me. And I like the online connectivity stuff. And I want to see that furthered in, you know, a sequel to this or maybe something else. Like, I like those ideas quite a bit. But, yeah, let's, um, let's move on to our final segment. What do you think is going to happen next? with kojima do you think he'll make a death stranding 2 do you think he'll get to make his horror game um i don't know i feel like he's always got something cooking up um i don't feel like it's gonna be a death stranding 2 i feel like this very much was a experimental thing in exploring what he could do as well as just kind of fucking around with a lot of his friends (laughs) i feel like that was the main goal was we're under the strict eye of konami we can do kind of whatever we want so let's just kind of have fun with it we're gonna put monster energy and norman Reedus in this game and it'll be fun you can piss on ghosts like i feel like that's kind of where this game was at so a sequel seems unlikely i feel like now that he has this standalone studio and the support of sony i feel like he's going to try and do something more serious and more like an original another original story um maybe it's horror related maybe it's another action game um i'd be into seeing whatever it is but i i doubt a death stranding 2 is gonna happen yeah and i don't know i I could see it but i don't disagree with you necessarily i know there was a lot of conversation about him wanting to direct to create a movie with that studio which i don't know <laughs> i'll be honest that is a little less interesting to me but do you He's always suppose? wanted to do movies that's why there's so many cutscenes in his games yeah i agree i i think it'd be fun to see him get to make that horror game he's always wanted to make even if it's not called silent hill it seems like he was passionate about that so that would be interesting at the very least i know there's been rumors for like forever basically once konami decided they don't want to make video games anymore that sony was going to buy all those properties I don't know how likely that actually is, but that would be fun too. Um, Though I wouldn't want him on Metal Gear again because he seemed to express interest in never doing that. So I don't want him pigeonholed. Yeah, even while he was at Konami, he wanted to stop doing Metal Gear. (laughs) He's done so many. So that's not where I want to see him. I I do want to see him in a creative position, even if I think he could do with somebody to tell him no every once in a while. You can't just name someone Dead Man. Or Mama. You can't name them Mama. <laughs> we'll give you Dead Man if you t- don't name anybody Mama. Just nip or fragile. Just, you can't do that anymore. sticking it out for this uh pretty long lengthy episode of the podcast if you want to follow us on twitter you can find the podcast at save station pod on twitter and insta is that right uh yes i believe that's the instagram as well it'll be in the episode description if you look there 
um, at Save Station Pod is the Twitter. Um, I'm at Conifer SSR. My old account got obliterated, so don't listen to the other episodes and go to that one because it doesn't exist anymore. So at Conifer SSR is the actual one. Where can they find you, Dustin? They can find me at Dustin H Dragon on Twitter. Before we go, I forgot to do our recommended viewings. So let's do that real quick. So we have some good stuff in here. Uh, you put in here something called PT's Hidden Meaning. Yeah, this was a video. It's fairly old now, but the... Or it's a couple years old now. This was a channel that dissected PT as it was kind of around. This video especially goes deep into what PT initially was, what it became, and how Kojima hid a bunch of messages into it to get around an NDA with Konami and then it also kind of explains how him and Konami fell out um a little bit better than we did at the beginning of this episode really interesting watch if you know anything about PT or are just curious um I also put a link to seeing the void out in gameplay since most likely that's not going to happen it's also really funny watching the video how long it takes for him to die <laughs> intentionally <laughs> Uh, so you know that's there if you want to watch it uh, so I put on here two things I put um, Hideo Kojima presents Death Stranding uh, this is from E3 when they announced it in 2016 it is just kind of this wild thing of Kojima walking down a staircase that's being made of light like he's some kind of godly figure it's pretty fun and I watched that it's playing Mad Max Fury Road music behind it yep <laughs> yep. it's just this wild E3 thing just watch it for that clip it's it's fine that also has the initial teaser trailer so you can see how nonsense it was yep and then more importantly um i put in here a video called death stranding a commentary critique and understanding uh if you have seven hours you need to fill with content shout out to this channel white light who i'm not too familiar with but this is a seven hour scripted video on death stranding which is incredibly impressive um, I unfortunately only made it about 30 minutes in. I've just been too busy, but I really enjoyed that 30 minutes. It's pretty good so far. I can't speak to all of it, but it's kind of wild, and I wanted to give it some props for just kind of being a wild, insane project. So shout out to that. Yeah, and if you enjoyed this two hours of Death Stranding, here's an additional seven. <laughs> yes, totally. Uh, so all of those links will be in the description. And you know what? I referenced it earlier. I'll put a link to that spoiler cast I listened to as well in here for you all um one more announcement we also have a giveaway going on on our twitter um it'll be up when this episode goes up as well there are two prizes at the moment it will be a copy of ghost runner for pc which was our last episode and a copy of the dreamcast collection including sonic adventure and then as well it will include sonic adventure 2 with the battle dlc all for steam um, which will tie into what we are doing next year. Yes. Uh, so I guess that's our formula. And for that, we are playing the Sonic Adventure games, which we have kind of arbitrarily included. So it's Sonic Adventure 1, 2, Sonic Heroes, Shadow of the Hedgehog, and uh, the masterpiece that is Sonic 06. Yeah, so you can get a leg up on that if you win that contest. Um, just go to at SaveStationPod to check that out um, to enter the contest and we will draw winners sometime before christmas i believe 
It'll probably be on our uh, wrap-up episode, won't it? Yeah, whenever that goes up. We still haven't fully decided. <laughs> so yeah, tune into that. That, that. And that is a thing to know. Our next regular episode will be a kind of end-of-the-year wrap-up. We're going to do some fun, silly categories. We're going to try to keep it light. Um, talk about the games we played this year, some of them that weren't for the show. Uh, we'll do like a like a tier list. We're trying to keep it casual, trying to find a way to do that. Um, we kind of had, we had to delete, if you, if you didn't pay attention to the bonus episodes, we did a um, game awards prediction, and we lost the first time we did that. We lost the episode, unfortunately. But that episode kind of gave us a preview. We were going to do a ranking, and listening to that as we were doing it, I was like, oh just the kind of arguments we were having. I was like, this is not fun. <laughs> like, Yeah. To put it lightly, we have very different opinions on the last of us too. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, you know, so like just to cut down on it and make it more entertaining, we're going to do a tier list. So we both get to have our way and put stuff, you know, in the high tier and low tier, all that fun stuff. It'll be fun. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to try to make it uh, more entertaining and hopefully not as shitty to listen to um so, so that'll be the next episode and then after that it will be the start of the year and we'll start with sonic adventure one so a, a true tory storytelling masterpiece oh yes for sure so yeah anyway thanks for listening and remember to be good to each other yep take care do you know why the flowers never bloom will you know